Well, welcome everybody. Uh, it's great to have you back. And uh, my name is Scott Wilson, and I have the privilege of being part of the team at Global Mission Awareness. And we're excited to be here in Castle Rock, Colorado. We're here with Leif, and uh, we're also here with Scott Thompson. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's really good to be here. It's good to be here. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're excited to be in Castle Rock because we're here for, uh, for a family gathering at uh, the Rock Church uh, called Reigning in Life. And uh, we're excited. We're about to kick that off this evening and looking forward to a great weekend together. But we thought it might, might be a great time to just get together with a father and a son and uh, two amazing leaders and just see what it is to, what is this kingdom family movement we're talking about? What is it to reign in life? And uh, yeah, so Leif, maybe if you'd like to start, what, what is this whole reigning in life about? Well, uh, first of all, the kingdom is a family business. And one of the things that Papa God wants to do is to have sons and daughters that reflects who he is so that the things of the kingdom, the rule and the reign of the kingdom, that can be delegated to sons and daughters that know how to reign in life. So there's a process for people before we know that heaven on earth is a gift to be received for sons and daughters. But also what Papa God wants is mature sons and daughters that can represent him in a good way. So when we talk about a reigning in life, part of the title for this came for me was uh, with the life of David, because the increase of his government, meaning the kingdom, the rule and the reign of the government, and his shalom, his peace, shall have no end. And the Bible says it's going to be uh, actually up on the shoulder. And David is the picture of this increase of his government and peace of the kingdom. So part of my thing is like with David is take people in the process to learn how to be faithful in the natural. The season of learning how to play a harp. The season of going into the secret place. But it's also to learn how to be a son in the natural. Like David was a son to his dad, Jesse. He took care of his father's sheep. So it's learning all these basic things that you learn in, in the earlier stages. And all of us should learn this. I call it a season of Bethlehem where you learn to be faithful in the natural. It's also where you learn how to practice a sling. Where you learn how to become a giant slayer, a giant killer. So that whole season in life, the Bethlehem. Many people are hearing about Zion. We're going to Rule and reign, heaven on earth, without going through the processes to get there. The second stage for David, now, after he killed a giant and everybody sings the favorite song, he learned how to be faithful in the middle of his need. And I call it a molting season. It can be the, it's the cave of Adullam for David. Seven years in a cave. And in the middle of all of that cave, he learned how to be faithful in the middle of that session. And he brings 400 people to a cave. He changes the environment from a man after God's own heart. He raised up a culture after his own heart. So from a man there, he has 400 other people that gets their identity, that gets their value, and they gets their dream. And that moves into the next. And this is where I believe is the big transition in the kingdom. They are moving then from that season of Adullam, and they're moving into Hebron. Hebron is a place of covenant relationship. Now, David has 400 giant slayers that become 600 that changes a nation and that becomes the springboard towards Zion which is the rule and the reign a picture of heaven on earth that leads them to a prototype on earth we're actually in Jerusalem the Bible says I think it's in first Kings 5 4 where there's rest on all side and no adversary and no evil occurrence so to put that in a in a very short context what God is looking for people that can host heaven he's looking for family culture but also of sons and daughters in the natural so when I wake up in the morning and go to work on Monday a lot of people are just waiting for revival to take place but God is looking for sons and daughters that can reflect him that have learned how to reign in life to represent him in such a way that when people see who we are they also see see who our Papa is. So that's wow. kind of the, a simple foundation of this reigning in life. Wow. Uh, we're going to, of course, spend a whole week in here together and have this incredible honor to have Scott Thompson, who's one that I think is such a beautiful prototype of the very message mm. that I'm talking about. Yeah, actually, that's probably something that I should have done a little bit earlier, Scott. Maybe it would be great for the listeners to kind of be introduced to you in a sense of who you are, where you're from, what you're about. Uh, and so uh, you're from Eureka, California. Tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about what you do and, and, yeah. and life, uh, life on the coast. My wife, Lacey, and I have lived in Eureka for eight months now. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the lead pastor at um, Lifehouse Eureka, which is on the north coast of California. Mm -hmm. uh, there we just love it, on the, living out there by the beach. Uh, and my wife is also uh, the director of the first year of the Bethel School of Supernatural Discipleship there on the coast. Come on. Yeah, so we are, this is what we are doing. We are creating a community, uh, better better to say it, we're creating a family, a real family 
of sons and daughters, mothers and fathers who are operating as family. And when we leave the four walls of the church, we represent the family, the kingdom family Come on. on the face of this earth. And it says in the Bible that all of creation eagerly awaits the revealing of what? The sons of God. Mm -hmm. And that translation is the children of God, sons and daughters. It's us as a family. When we walk out of the four walls of the church or out of the four walls of our house, we truly do represent the kingdom. And all of creation is waiting to see that. All of creation longs to see what it is to be a son or daughter. And when they see us, ultimately, they glorify our Father in heaven, and they see there is a Father because we're representing the family. So um, I'm, I'm excited about that. You know, I, I got a, a funny one. Uh, my son Judah, this is a great example of this. My son Judah is 13 years old. He go, He's in eighth grade. And, um, and when he goes to his school, he's not just Judah going to the school solo. He knows that he has his family backing him. He mm-hmm. knows, you know, his mom and I, we talk through things with him. We talk through challenges and issues at school. We talk through his friend group and all of that. And so when he goes to school, he goes confident as a son. And when he is faced with issues at school that he knows this is the way my family would respond to this, that's how he responds. So before he leaves to school every day, I say, hey, Judah, remember who you are. Mm. And he knows what that means so because good. he's grown up in his identity as a son, being affirmed and confirmed by fathers and mothers. Uh, so he, he actually had an experience where he went to school and there was a kid that was bullying a lot of kids. And uh, when Judah walked in the class, the kid said, Judah, Judah, he's a loser. And without a thought in his mind, without trying to figure out something witty to say, Judah turned around immediately. And he says, Judah, Judah, at least he knows how to treat other people. And just looked at the kid. Yeah. Come on. And the kid stopped right there in his tracks. The teacher gave us feedback of this. She said, I've never, ever, ever seen anybody just stop this kid from being the bully in class. And the next day when Judah walked in, the kid said, Judah, Judah, he's awesome. He said, Judah turned around. He said, you know what? You're pretty awesome, too. So just changing culture, changing the environment, because who he is isn't just a Sunday morning person. Mm-hmm. You know, who he is manifests through his whole life, whether he's wow. at school. or And he ultimately represents his mom and I. When mm-hmm. he goes to school, he represents the family. But at large, we all represent the kingdom family yeah. in that same way. I think that uh, reminds me, last night we, we connected with uh, Pastor Mike, who's the senior leader here now at The Rock, and his wife, Christy. And, and uh, it was amazing just hearing what they're going after as a culture here mm-hmm. in a sense that, they're a kingdom family, but they really are a kingdom family on mission outside the walls of this church. Right. And, and they're really uh, seeking to activate just a full lifestyle of, of kingdom living uh, with a lot of the, the people from the church on Wednesday nights at the moment in a kingdom boot camp. And uh, the whole proviso of that is to really not be comfortable with, you know, to use the example of pr- the prophetic, you know, not be comfortable with prophesying over mm-hmm. people within the church but be comfortable outside of the church right. that you become so familiar and it's in a similar way you're so uh, you, you are so secure in your identity within the walls of the church within the context of family perhaps yeah. that then when you take that outside of the bounds of you know a particular locale that you're actually then going to be confident to change culture and, and change atmosphere mm-hmm. yeah that's exciting yeah Leif uh Tell us a little bit about your connection, your your journey with Scott from from your perspective, and how you guys sort of really forged a relationship. Well, <clears throat> according to what I understand, uh, what year was that, Scott, that you were at Bethel? Because it was oh man, two thousand probably two thousand one, yeah. I think. Wow. So in the early days there, Bethel Reading, uh, I spoke at the school, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize at the time that one of the students was Scott who had just been saved or born again at the time and right after that he's attending this school and somehow I was showing one of the videos like sometimes I do just mm-hmm. from <laughs> from the nations and he saw that it was almost like something leaped in his spirit so even be years before we kind of connected mm-hmm. there was a connection in the wow. spirit that God did and so mm-hmm. I mean that's the stories that Scott can can share more about mm-hmm. but then later on uh, I also came to Bethel Atlanta uh, where Scott and Lacey they were the senior associate leaders they were uh, they were leading the school there and even there now we started to connect because of the kingdom family language mm-hmm. and uh, we finally decided to move to Atlanta to be part of that and, and part of that was of course because of Scott and Lacey and just some of the things that we saw there because as we're traveling around the world we, we need to have a community we need a family ourselves to live our life from 
And so we started to live life together, hang out together, have a cup of coffee together. Just, I mean, because life comes before ministry. And over this period of time, as we started to share hearts, uh, both good, bad and ugly, but like family do, we started to recognizing something very unique and special just in regard to who we are, but also uh, where we're fitting into a family table. So as we started to talk more about family, they were going through a process or different situation. Uh, I had asked Scott uh, on several different occasions to, to go with me. We went to Wisconsin, but also the trip to the Philippines. I felt in my spirit on a different level because again, it was something supernatural when uh, our family, I wanted him to be around our family because again, we've all trying to see the prototype. How does heaven on earth looks like? Yeah. We're talking yeah. about family. Uh, how does unconditional love look like? How does honor look like? How does interdependence look like? How do we celebrate one another instead of tolerance? I mean, we can use that language, mm-hmm. but I wanted so badly also for Scott and say, Scott, because I, I saw, I saw two people with a gift, a gift of an apostle and a gift of a prophet that was in the transition of an office that I knew was going, and that which is a fatherly and motherly realm mm. that is going to release a whole new generation. So mm. I saw the potential, saw who they were, carried that, but I would want to also introduce them to an environment uh, for them to be 100% themselves where they will be celebrated for who they are. And at the same time, but I also wanted on the other side for us to be able to have some time together mm. for him to connect because this has kind of been my family. If I had a local church, uh, I didn't where I got to practice, but I had a family in the Philippines, which is the destiny where I got to live this out as a father. So during this time together, something took place both in my heart and I believe also in Scott's heart that led to a, a, a covenantal relationship where today I will give my life for Scott and Lacey and, and their family and their family is my family. And, and also we have Tom Rohn, who's also his father-in-law. And, uh, so, so the bigger pitch of the family, we all started to connect on a covenantal level. Mm-hmm. And since then, I mean, the sadness was they left, but, but they never left in a sense. They left physically, which was very difficult, but we continue to lean hard. And like here I said, any opportunity I have, I want to be with him. I, mm-hmm. I become better than I am when I'm with Scott. And mm-hmm. that's what I'm even sensing here this morning. It was such a joy just just to hang out together and minister together mm. uh, because that's where my life comes from. It's just watching him and seeing Scott up there, who he is, the message, what he's become. Mm. I just sat with tears in my eyes because I had seen that years before, but just to be able to see uh, that coming forth and to see how it added value to so many of the leaders this morning is some of the most beautiful thing in the world for me. Mm. Wow. Scott, <laughs> from your perspective, uh, I mean, Leif mentioned Philippines and having yeah. been to the Philippines myself and, and last podcast, we were actually talking with Andy from Bethel, New Zealand and, mm-hmm. and sharing a little bit about Philippines. I know that, that anyone who goes and, and encounters <laughs> the, the, the Destiny Ministry International family, it's, right. it's an encounter. Uh, right. you, you're literally encountering the, the best expression of family I think many of us have seen. Yeah, it's amazing. Tell us about that experience. What oh, that my like? goodness. Okay, so um, I went on the trip not expecting to get wrecked the way I, I got wrecked. Uh, I went on the trip knowing it was going to be a ministry trip, excited about it, you know, yeah. ton of energy coming into the trip because I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. First of all, uh, to travel with Leif, he was the guy that came when I was in first year, like he said, and he was this wild man uh, in a time where I'd just gotten saved, and I thought what <laughs> saved looked like is all of a sudden you become safe <laughs> and you become, uh, you know, very moldable and... Uh, predictable and you look a certain way and talk a certain way and act a certain way, you know, and I thought, oh my goodness, okay, I need to fit in this church box. And he came telling these stories of being overseas and being in these dangerous positions and God showing up and and it was real faith and something inside of me just jumped and came alive. And I thought, oh my gosh, you mean to tell me that God still raises up wild men, you know? And uh, so, so going to the Philippines, it was like, oh my gosh, this one of these heroes that I had, from 2001, now all of a sudden I've, it's come full circle where I'm going on a trip with him. Like I, he invited me to come with him and it was this surreal experience. Mm-hmm. So I was excited on that level. Uh, but when I got around the family uh, with Papa Jack and Papa Leif and, um, and Paul Yadao and, and just different family members and I started to see the way they operated around each other, the way they honored each other, mm-hmm. uh, the way that... Um, no one really took the stage. The platform was all the family. It was, mm-hmm. it was, it, there wasn't a stage that the more important people got on. The whole family was on the platform. Mm-hmm. And the way they loved each other well, the stories of people um, that their lives were completely transformed by being in family, uh, they started to dream. And then they started to access those dreams and take steps into those dreams. And 
some of the stories, uh, almost like the rags to riches stories of I was yeah. I was living on the streets and now this person, you know, has a business that's impacting the Philippines and it's a kingdom business that mm. kingdom family has come around them and supported <laughs> them in. And I mean, just the whole entire trip, seeing this over and over and over, all came to kind of a crashing crescendo uh, when we had the final meeting where they gathered the family from all over the Philippines. And it was multiple churches and multiple communities that all gathered in this theater. And I can tell you that I sat <laughs> there, first of all, during worship, I could feel the heart of the Father in a way that I hadn't felt in such a long time, since, since, since really I was reborn. Uh, wow. born again, um, I hadn't felt this certain part of the heart of the Father. I, I could feel the heart of the Father constantly through my experience, my, you know, being a mm -hmm. child of God experience, but there was a certain aspect of the heart of the Father that was this, um, this the hand of God just resting on your shoulder kind of feel like, mm -hmm. you know, that that affirmation that a father brings, and I could feel that in the worship, and it wrecked me, and then I could feel it in the messages, and it wrecked me, and I, I watched Paul and Leif and um, Papa Jack all up on the stage interacting together, and that wrecked me, and there was just something that Leif had talked about. Uh, he had explained. I had heard the words, but the words had never really described what I actually experienced in the Philippines, and once I experienced it, I it, it my eyes were open to this is the way we do life right here. Mm. This is what family looks like. This is what kingdom looks like. And this this is God's original intent is what it felt to me. Like this is God's original intent for humankind to not just not just be a creation, but to be sons and daughters, to be placed in a family. And that family actually accelerates the growth of your life in such a way that you come fully alive and the world, whole world gets to see you mm. being you to the fullest of who you are. And, and that for me just... I mean, it wrecked me. I was a puddle on the ground crying. Mm. I cried for hours mm. on end watching this happen. How did that, uh, I suppose, the thing that I'm curious about is the the impact that you experienced there. What, what did that start to look like when you came back? Right. You know, in terms of, okay, you've now, you've seen a, another, I mean, we see expressions of the culture of honor in lots of different environments right. in our stream, you know, and we yeah. see, see it done really, really well. But you've obviously seen it a generational culture of honor there between mm -hmm. father or grandfather, father and, and yeah. son in, in Jack and life and in Paul. Right. Uh, experiencing that, but also seeing that, uh, I suppose, uh, c that that environment of cultivation for family. What did that start to impact you when you came home and, and start oh, to, what, what changed in you in the way that you started to approach right. things? Right, and so many aspects of life changed right in that moment. You know, you can... You can live in a false reality and it feels like the truth until you're confronted with the truth. Mm. And then once you see the real truth, mm. you, you just don't have the choice to go back to a false reality. You know, it just, just doesn't work. And in this way, um, I, I saw a greater truth of family. I saw a greater reality of family. And I just wasn't allowed to go back to yeah. just doing church or mm. just being a leader or you know what I mean like everything now was being viewed through the context of family mm. and not just family meaning we we do something together family that truly promotes each other family that turns and honors you know it's just like the father the son and the holy spirit and one turns and honors the other and the other turns and honors the, I mean it's just this this circle of honor and um, and that's what I started to see and so God was working on me in different areas of my life in the same message uh, in, in different ways, and the Philippines trips was what, like I said, was like the crescendo of it. Mm. Um, so we started, my family, we started learning how to do family really well, just us, the five of us, learning mm. how to do family really well, learning like um, how to speak into each other's lives, how to take time, like quality time, and have mm. true, real conversations. And so we started really focusing on our family when I got home. Yeah. I mean, truly, for a whole year, our main focus was our, our specific family. Wow. And in that, I think, moving to California, we have now brought the truth of what family looks like mm -hmm. into the environment that does family so well, but we now have an understanding of it, mm -hmm. and we carry it. And family isn't just an idea. Family isn't just something that we try to assimilate in the church. Um, family is who we are, and it's what we do, and it's mm -hmm. so natural. Uh, so I'm no longer just a leader, you know? Like, uh, I was always trying to accomplish something. I was always t trying to achieve in a certain way, and I didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And now all of the sun inside of me has learned to relax. 
Mm. Like my shoulders have gone down. Mm. I can breathe out now. I have nothing to prove. (laughs) I have nothing to achieve. I I have nothing to try to simulate. Mm. I just get to be a son. Mm. And out of me being a son, there's a brilliant light that shines from that position in life. Mm -hmm. And other sons and daughters are activated to be sons and daughters in life because they see what it looks like. Mm. Oh, you're a son. You know, I, I, if I could explain it, it would be, I, but I would love that. Also but what you just, because you said it in the leadership meeting this morning also, one of the encounters with us in the Philippines, because I didn't realize before this morning when you described it, what that did for you, would pretty much what we just, because I invited you to come there with Papa Jack to speak yeah. and minister and activate and do something I believe that you do better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, so to come there with your special sauce as a son to a bigger family table, but a big thing of, you mentioned just something in regard to just freeing you from having to to do anything in the Philippines, but that just touched yeah. me. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's amazing, you know. Um, I didn't realize it, but somewhere in life and ministry, um, I my normal or my natural was trying to prove that I was a good son. So I didn't. I, I wasn't consciously knowing that I was doing it, but subconsciously, whenever I got around fathers, I was trying to prove that I was a good son. So I would bring the testimonies to the table, and I would perform at the best of my ability, and I would always try to do, 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 so that then I would be seen as, you're a good son, you know, like the pat on the back, good son. And I and I have fathers around me that have spoken into me and, and, um, and have been there and have not looked for something in me, but uh, there was something that Leif said where he put to words... Uh, a hunger that I'd had in my heart as a son for a long time, and I'd never been able to put the words. And uh, we got in a conversation, um, and somewhere in the conversation, I was saying, this just feels so much different than uh, other ministry relationships I've had. Um, and he said, what What do you think feels different about it? And I said, I can't put my finger on it. And Leif said, um, I think I know what it is. And I said, what is that? And he said, do you know I don't need anything from you? I don't need you to bring testimonies to our ministry. I don't need you to speak, even if you don't speak the whole time you're here. I don't need you to minister to anybody, even if you don't minister the whole time you're here. I don't need you to do anything. That's not why I love you. He said, I just love you because I love you. And just left it at that. He said, I don't need you to do. You can just be. And that for me, being around a father in a ministry capacity that didn't need anything from me, but just wanted me to be there, it it wrecked so much in me and it actually identified a lie and a subconscious behavior that I had towards fathers that I had to perform to be seen as worthy that I had to perform to be seen as good and how many of us know that if we're if we're feeling that way around earthly fathers then probably somewhere in there it also affects our relationship with the father Mm -hmm. and so that comment alone just I don't need anything from you went down to the core of who I was as a son, and I had to face lies that I was believing about myself, that I wasn't good enough unless I was performing, or I, you know, I needed to bring something to the table, and that revolutionized a lot for me. With my relationship with the Father, you know, like, I don't have to perform. He's here no matter what. Nothing I do can bring him closer. Nothing I do can push him away. He is absolutely for me all the time. He is pleased with me. He is happy, you know, around me. He, he is full of joy always, mm-hmm. and, and that relationship is solidified more, but then my relationship with Leif, my relationship with my father-in-law, who at the same is the same way. I don't need anything from you, and there's nothing you can do to chase me away. <laughs> that that kind of message from dads in your life just does something as a son, where it causes your shoulders to go down, and you can you can exhale, you can relax around him. You don't have to stand up straight, shoulders back, head up. You know, like I began to be able to relax around fathers, which is something I'd never been able to do in my life. I didn't know how. And now all of a sudden I feel that way. And in that, I'm learning how to be a father, you know, and in, in, in being a son and learning how to have fathers in my life. Now I'm learning how to be a father myself. And it's it's been so liberating. It's been so much easier than I was making it. It's mm-hmm. been awesome. That's amazing. I, I, one thing that you said before which really kind of fascinated me is uh, is the, the, the ability to cultivate in secret uh, that that family culture, you know, where you said you came back from the Philippines and started to just go, okay, hey, if we can't if we can't model this at home, mm-hmm. then how do we have authority to model it and multiply right. it outside of the walls of our house? And I know Bill said something recently in one of his messages that you know his identity is 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 to be a father, and his his foremost priority is to be a father at home and to celebrate the dreams of his children and help facilitate that, and right. if, and then that manifests in public, and. Um, I think that that's for me. That's where I'm starting to see some of the cultivation of 
of this culture is that where it's really been birthed successfully is where people have said, hey, I'm not trying to do something, create something, build something. I'm trying to be something. I'm trying to, in, in a sense, that I'm, <coughs> I'm modeling it, you know, and uh, I, I'm modeling it at home and therefore I have authenticity and integrity. Right. And that gives you authority. That's huge, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, tell us a little bit about some of the, some of the culture that you're seeing generated uh, on the coast. You know, wh- what is, I mean, you've been there eight months now. Right, yeah. Stepped into a whirlwind of a new opportunity. Oh, I know, yeah. Um, but y- you've, you've been sharing some testimonies uh, recently about, you know, family and what that's looking like uh, and huge. running with some of these people that have maybe never experienced <clears throat> right. healthy yeah. family. Totally. So um, just like I talked about, I didn't know how to be a son. My dad left when I was 13, and we just recently, a few years ago, had a massive reconciliation. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, So I have a great relationship with my dad, but for so many of those formative years in my life of learning how to be a young man and learning how to grow up and be a man, I didn't have a father around, so I I just kind of learned from the people around me what it looked like to be a man. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, later in life, I've learned what health looks like. I've learned what it is to be in family. I've learned all these things, and and we have a school ministry there, Bethel School Supernatural Discipleship. (coughs) Sorry. And um, one of the cool things is you have all these people coming that uh, that share in that same experience of a lot of them don't know what it is to be a son. A lot of them haven't had healthy fathers in their life or uh, even healthy representation of what it is to be in family. And uh, it's so cool to watch. We have we actually have a community of about uh, 20 to 30 um, students, both male and female, that um, have through their lives uh, struggled with or been tol- told they are um, or have been actively engaged in homosexual lifestyle. Um, they've all bounced around from church to church just just being pushed away, really, not being accepted. Uh, some of them have been forced to go to classes, um, experience electroshock therapy. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah. Um, and, and Or go to ministries where they tried to pray the gay away. or uh, Really what they experience their whole life is uh, you need to look and act a certain way so that we can say, that you're worth it. Mm. and um, Or people trying to cut all the apples off the apple tree and say, okay, it's no longer an apple tree. There's no apples on it. And nobody ever really with them took the time to invite them into family mm. to say, mm. you're a son in this house or you're a daughter in this house. Some of the young men had never been called a son before. They were never mm. seen as that. Mm. They were called every other name under the sun, you know? And so um, we've invited them in. And one of the messages that we keep giving them is, there's nothing you can do to chase me away. There's no action you can take that's going to chase me away. I'm not scared of you. I'm not scared of your mistakes. I'm not scared of uh, any of the lies you're believing. I'm not scared of any of that. We're going to stand right here and we're going to stay here. And all you have to do is keep showing up to the family dinner table. Come on. And that's what we. That's what it is. It's. It's. That's one of the the. That's the word picture we use is you keep showing up to the family dinner table, and that's where family has conversations. You know, and. Um, a lot of churches have taken public stances against homosexuality or whatever whatever their stance is, and we've just chosen not to do that because we believe that there's uh, maybe a better way to approach it. And so we have loved these young men and young women as sons and daughters. We have seen them as sons and daughters. We continue to speak as sons and daughters. We, we thought, what would it look like if we didn't um, focus on what people see as their mistakes or their sin in their life? What if we stopped focusing on the sin? Now, we, we do have conversations if one of them... Uh, you know, falls and says, hey, I, I made a mistake, well, then we'll sit down and have a conversation. We'll talk with it. Yeah. But, but our main focus is what if we just focus on loving them well, mm-hmm. accepting them right there where they're at. You know, it's, it, there's a big difference between accepting someone and condoning their actions. Absolutely, so we accept yeah. them as a human being who is a son or daughter of God. We love them right where they're at, and we start to speak to their true identity. We start to call out the gold that's within them. We don't <clears throat> run from them, but we show up to the dinner table every time. And every time they show up to the dinner table, the message they get from me is, I am so proud of you. And they say, why? And I say, because you showed up again. Look mm. at you. Mm. You woke up this morning. You decided to get dressed, come down here, and show up mm. to the dinner table once again. Yeah. Look at you go. Yeah. Because they have reason after reason to run from the church because the way they've been treated. Mm. So through this process, um, we've, got, we've got these young men who uh, they've figured out in life that they, they always got the message that you are not masculine this is not what uh, being a man looks like. You, there's something wrong with you. They've got these messages their entire life. 
And now they're getting a message of you're a son. You're not just a son. You're a much loved son. Mm. You are worth it. You are valuable. We start calling out the gold in them. And they realized that through their same-sex attraction, they were actually looking for someone who represented masculinity to fill the hole of, of where they felt like they were lacking in life. You know, They felt like they were lacking in masculinity, so they were looking for masculinity to fill that void. When all, of al- all along, masculinity looks like, are you male or female? I'm male. Okay, well, whatever you do is masculine because you're male. You know, If you're a ballet dancer and you go out on the stage and you perform a ballet and you're male, then it's very masculine because you're a ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. If you're welding metal, then it's masculine because you're, you know, you're a male. If you're and what, whatever, if you're a female and you're going out and you're doing whatever it is you're doing, whether it's playing basketball or roller derby or mm-hmm. sewing or knitting, whatever it is, it's very feminine because you're female. And so we've just started to redefine things. We've started to see them where they're at. We started to love them where they're at. And we've seen massive change in them. We're seeing sons and daughters rise up. We're seeing wow. them come and feel safe in family for the first time. Wow. We're seeing them feel safe around fathers. Mm. I took a short drive with one of them and spent time with him. And at the end of the drive, uh, we were just running errands. At the end of the drive, he had tears streaming down his face. And I said, oh, mm. I thought I said something, you know. Uh, oh, what, what's the matter? He said, nothing's the matter. He said, I think this is the best day of my entire life. Wow. I mean, it was literally like an hour and a half or two hours of wow. my time. And I said, how is this the best day of your life? He said, I've never had a male leader show interest in hanging out with me mm. and not judge me and not view me as as gross or wrong mm. but just hang out with me and mm. talk to me like another human being and be relaxed around me mm. and be okay to be seen in public with me and he just sat there and cried he said this may be the best day of my life look if i can spend two hours with somebody and treat them like a human being and it equals being the best day of their life then i have two hours every single day for someone you know i mean it was yes. just massive 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 transformation in someone's life with just a little mm-hmm. bit of, you know, being being a dad. So, But we're seeing, it, you know, thir- 20, 30 students, we're seeing radical transformation in who they are. Even some of their appetites are changing in life. Like one of them, yeah, uh, one of them told me, he came to school and he said, oh my gosh, I need to tell you something. It was like an emergency. I said, oh my, well, what is it? You know, so I went up in my office, what, what's going on? He said, I, I did something bad. I said, what did you do? He goes, on the way to school, I looked at a girl's butt and I... <laughs> I said, you did what? (laughs) And he said, yeah. He goes, me and my roommates were driving to school, and I looked on the side of the road, and there was a girl, and she had really tight pants on, and she was walking a dog, apparently. And my roommate said, oh, my gosh, did you see that? And she, he said, yeah, that girl with the really nice butt. And they said, no, that huge dog that she was walking. <laughs> and it hit his mind. He's, he's like, I've never been attracted to a girl in my life. Whoa, and wow. and this, isn't, this isn't the end-all, be-all. This is not the goal we're trying to reach. We're sure. trying to raise up sons and daughters who are connected to their father, who hear the voice of their father, who live in the truth of who he says they are, no matter what anyone says they are. Mm-hmm. And out of doing that, we're watching even their appetite for life change mm-hmm. uh, and their attraction are changing and they're realizing that they they weren't attracted to the things they thought they were attracted to. They were just finding, uh, they found a void in themselves that felt like they did not Mm. meet what what society says is the norm. Mm. And now that the father is speaking into their life and pulling true identity out of them, they're realizing that they're enough. And their appetites are changing, and their attractions are changing, and and they're they're worship leaders, and they're artists, and there's all these hidden gifts and talents that are coming out inside of them because they're fully blooming as a human being, Mm -hmm. because they're connected to the Father. But it all rooted back to walking into family, a family that says we're not going to run from you. And Mm -hmm. this this sort of process isn't. We're not talking years of transformation. We're talking you know fairly short windows of recalibration. I mean, you said you spent two hours with this guy and. And, and there's a transformation. I mean, it's it's almost like within a healthy context of family and being present and loving well, right. there's that recalibration to, hey, this is what my identity is. This right. is what my purpose is. This is what my, my lenses should look like in, right. in a healthy context. It's Six not, months is the most we've spent with these guys and girls. And, and it's just daily touches, you know, mm-hmm. daily touches. It's the... Someone comes to school and they have their head down and they're just trying to walk past you and you can see shame on them and you stop them and you go, what's going on? Oh, I'm just trying to get to class. You say, no, come back here. Give them a hug. Mm-hmm. Start to speak to them as a son or daughter. And when they do reveal, hey, I made a mistake, it doesn't shock me. It doesn't change my feelings towards you. It doesn't make me run as mm-hmm. a father. It doesn't scare me. I don't have a different view of you. I just, we start to speak into your identity. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I strongly believe that... Um, when Christians act out in the area of sin, I strongly believe that 
It is a manifestation of an insecurity in our life, an area that does not feel secure. So we reach out and try to feel powerful mm-hmm. in one way or another, mm-hmm. whether it's stealing or pornography or mm-hmm. what it is, you know, we, we react, we start to manifest out of a place that's not secure. Mm-hmm. And so instead of, uh, you know, confronting them with the action, yeah, they need to clean up their mess, but we start to get to the root of it and mm-hmm. we start to f- try to figure out, okay, where, what part of you does not feel secure when it comes to family and when it comes mm-hmm. to the father and his voice in your life? And that's what we start to speak to. Mm-hmm. You see massive change that starts mm-hmm. to happen in them in a short amount of time. Leif, we have, we've got a good friend back in Atlanta, uh, Jerome Luba, <coughs> and uh, he's doing some phenomenal work. And uh, one of the things he talks about, a similar context of this, is that most people are usually either moving towards pleasure mm-hmm. or away from pain. And, yeah, uh, and I think that that is definitely connected to an identity issue mm-hmm. uh, or an insecurity, as you said, Scott. What, what, do, you, what do you think about that, life in terms of, I, I know we're working at the moment on, on some, some foundational principles of identity, uh, but it, I think it's key to this. It is, <coughs> it is a key because uh, where I think we have to sometimes go back to the beginning where everything started mm-hmm. so that we have the proper blueprint. Mm-hmm. And uh, that goes much before the cross. It goes all the way back to the beginning. Before there was anything, there was a father, there was a son, and there was a Holy Spirit. So the whole picture of family was actually God's idea because God is a family. Right. What love looks like, you see the model. How they honor one another is the model. You will never see Jesus one single time say, why are you the father and I'm the son? <laughs> you, you don't find right. it. That ex- right. yeah. so, so in a sense of, so the father and the son and the Holy Spirit are the most secure people I've ever met. So when you are meeting with the father, you feel very secure. But also when I'm meeting with the son, I feel 100% secure. When I'm meeting with the Holy Spirit, who's always full of love and full of joy and full of peace, and he's so patient and he's so <laughs> kind. He's just the most overwhelming when you are together with them. But there is another spirit, and as you know, I've written a book on this called Healing the Orphan Spirit. That spirit started in heaven when there was three archangels and you saw this amazing family. They were also invited to be part of family, but there was a little lie from the beginning here where it says, why are you God and I'm just a worship leader? And we know his name was Lucifer, beautiful angel. I mean, he had everything. And he had access to all of these things. He was access to family. But he said, I want to be like the most high. And you can read it in the book of Isaiah, Ezekiel 37, there's these incredible scripture verses that describe that orphan heart. This is before creation. So I'm just saying that very shortly that in this kind of environment, the two question is, is God really good? And am I really good enough? Mm. That's really the root of it. That's huge. So what he says then in the next moment is, if I become like you, I'm going to feel better about myself. Mm. But the question goes actually, what was that? a question about the goodness of God. Because God is God really withholding something from me? And if I get that, then I will feel that mm. root issue. And that's called an orphan spirit. Mm. You see the same thing then in the garden. When they come into the garden, they're already made in his image. The biggest weapon of the devil, and now he's no longer just Lucifer. He's a Satan. He's a deceiver. He is one that is on war against one simple thing, and that is the identity. He does not want sons and daughters that look like Papa and reflect Papa. Mm. So what he's doing is that you do something, then you have something, then you become something. That's the lie that you see from the beginning. And as long as that lie is there, and usually uh, we mention a rebellion or religion are the two different ways you're mm. trying to get that. And it's connected to a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So mm. he says, if you eat from this tree, you're going to be like Papa. Of course I want to be like the Father. If I ask you, Scott, would you like to be like Jesus? You say yes. And I say, okay, here's what you need to do. Do you see the lie? This mm. is how deception started. You do, then you have, then you become. Listen, the lie is you're already like him. So why are you trying to become what you already are? And that's pretty much the whole deception from the beginning and has been a worldwide deception that we have all these people that started out in glory. And when we are no longer seeing ourselves and coming into agreement and the first thing that the enemy is trying to do, question God. If God is good, why would Todd Bevan die? If God is good, why did you have these crypt? So the question on his goodness and the second of how loved you are. And so part of our assignment in the family, first of all, everybody to know that he is a good, good father. That's Mm -hmm. who he is. And you are loved by him. That's who you are. That's the reason I believe that finally there was a song out there. There was the song of the year this year. Why is the whole world singing this song? And it's acknowledged on a global level 
that he is a good, good father. That's who he is. And I'm loved by him. That's who I am. Right. Usually you start to see the song before you see the move of God's spirit. That's right. about to sweep around the wall. When that starts to happen and that orphan heart is gone, family is being restored. God is going to pour out his spirit. Glory is about to be released. And at least over a billion new names will be added to the family. <laughs> but God doesn't want orphans. He wants sons and daughters. So that's why I'm saying this very thing. So when you see it doesn't matter if it is religion or rebellion, but people are looking at something to try to fill that void. Mm -hmm. But when that void is filled and you get rooted and grounded in love and you start and that those roots are changed because they're rooted and grounded in love, then you know how high, high and how deep and wide and long that love is. And then the fullness dwells in there. And then you're moving into the assignment aspect that comes from that alignment. Mm -hmm. So this is pretty much what we are sitting and talking about here that I think is so huge mm -hmm. that we're moving into a season where God is about to reveal his goodness and kindness in such a way that it just leads to mass, mass repentance. Mm -hmm. And then people are going to come home. And when they are coming home, when that thing takes place, there's going to be a tsunami wave of love. Mm -hmm. And the world is going to see that we are who we says we are because the way we love one another mm. and to do that we need to first receive that he loves us second of all we need to love ourselves the way that papa god loves us and then from that then it's easier for me to love scott mm. thompson in the middle of his messes and then everything else i've received so much grace from papa i'm a grace giver i've received so much love i've loved and when i see this is the truth this is what i saw the first time i met scott and lacy i saw something I saw something very unique and something very valuable. And when I saw them the way that heaven saw them, in that moment I got so attracted. It's like, wow, Papa. <laughs> and now I just want them to see themselves the way that Papa God sees them. And part of the fatherly heart for, for some of us is just like, wow, let me tell you who you are. This is who you are, amazing. Because I don't know anybody that carries what they do. And that's what I saw when I brought them here to the reigning life. I, I told people this morning to the leaders, that I want you to know there's this uniqueness they carry to the family table. That I've never experienced anybody else that does as well that they do because of the process also they've been through and the revelation they've received of the goodness of the Father mm. and the love of the Father and how that is being reflected in life on a daily basis. Yeah. As you, you mentioned their life that you know when people really experience the the fullness and the of truth and, and of, of identity that it's going to lead to mass repentance and I think one of the things that it's kind of flagged with me there connected to what you've been saying Scott is the fact that when uh, when people see the real deal, it's very easy to identify the counterfeit. Oh gosh, yeah. So in life, you talk about this quite a, a bit as well. But if you if you take the family culture, mm -hmm. if you start to reveal what healthy family looks like to someone who's never seen healthy family, right. it's very easy for them to repent from say some of those lifestyle choices or those battles that they're walking through. It's very easy to walk away from a counterfeit or even identify a counterfeit. And I think that uh, a lot of what I've grown up in the church and also what you know we've seen in different streams is the fact that we start to point out features of the counterfeit mm -hmm. and that brings condemnation right. but if you actually just reveal the truth yeah it automatically brings a conviction absolutely you know, that is that is a holy a holy thing so it's uh, massive yeah 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 absolutely I mean when you can yeah I can go around talking about how every other car is at a loss compared to you know something else and point out all the flaws and oh your brakes aren't that good and look at those tires and mm. and then i can bring a lamborghini around and it just i mean it speaks for itself you know mm. i don't have yeah. to talk i don't have to talk about any yeah. any other car you just look at that one you go wow yeah well, that's a car and it, i think it's the same way uh, i think that's why all of creation eagerly awaits the yeah. revealing of the sons of god because there's a liberty in us there's a freedom in us that comes through the context of family and having a father our father who art in heaven you know, otherworldly is your name. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I think the kingdom coming is all of creation seeing true sons and daughters rise to the surface. Mm -hmm. And not, not a rise to the surface like we're going to lord over you. It's a rise to the surface of look what's available when you're in relationship with the Father. And they look to us and they go, there is a Father. I mean, it's this mm -hmm. family value that we show. And, and instead of, you know, protest lines and and what we stand against, I think the church is being called to just stand up and be who we're called to be. You know, like wow. uh, all of creation isn't eagerly awaiting uh, the revealing of our seven things that we stand against or our, you know, our list of 10 that are our top 10 or, mm. you know, or, or all the list of things on the door of what you have to be to come in. 
all of creation is eagerly awaiting the revealing of sons of God, like mm. us shining fully with the light of heaven. When you look in my eyes, you should see the eyes of my Father. Mm. When you hear my voice, you should experience the words of the Father. When you when you embrace me or I embrace you, you should feel like you got hugged by the Father. When you get around my life, I overflow with who he is. And it's the same way that Jesus turns and honors the Father. And the Holy Spirit honors Jesus and family honors family. When you get around me, you you see the Father in my life because of the value that I carry that came from the Father in the first place. Wow. And it's not about arguments. It's not about trying to change people. It's not about people becoming our projects. That's some, one of the things that a lot mm. of our students brought with them is <clears throat> I've always been somebody's project. Yeah. And no, we don't we do not do projects here. We do family. Yeah. And in the context of family, they learn what it is to be a son or daughter. They learn what it is to be valued, to be valuable. Mm-hmm. They learn what it is to be loved. And then they learn to love themselves because of the love they're receiving. Yeah. And really, we, we just turn them to the Father. You yeah. know, If they believe in a lie, we say, well, what does God say about that? Mm-hmm. And they stop right there and they get to ask God, God, what do you say about that? How do you feel about that? God, what do you think about me? What's mm-hmm. the truth? In this, mm-hmm. and, and they're getting their answers from the Father, and mm-hmm. I think that's the brilliance of it, you know? Instead yeah. of picking up at the problem, we start to reveal the solution. Mm. I think it was one of the fun things that we talked about a little bit earlier today. Uh, of course, Scott and Lacey and the family knows our family well, and I'm talking about now Jennifer and uh, my wife and, and our kids, Leif Emanuel, Lila, Courtney, and Catherine. But I've, I've noticed even more just when we are together as a family and we're around the family table, how different we are. Mm-hmm. But they have one father and mother. But it, it just brought me back a few years ago. My parents had six siblings and I'm number two in the line. And all of them got married and they have kids. And now we have we have four, actually four generations at that time, but three generations. They all came to America. And several of them, the cousins never met each other. So here you have 34 very much Norwegian, speaking Norwegian from different parts of Norway. Uh, a few of them are not even believers. They are pre, pre-believers so far and in that journey. But something was taking place because of my mom and dad. We all connected to them and then to see all of their children, 34 different ones that really a lot of don't know each other. But just to see what was taking place and the unity, if you use that, that took place at the family table. And something just in two weeks changed about our whole family and it's a connection taking place with the cousins and everything else but it just brought a beautiful prototype and a picture for me of some of the things i'm here also scott uh, beautifully described just from their culture what a family table can do and even just the acceleration for every person when you know who you are and that's the important thing because you have people trying to come to the family table and in a sense but they don't have their identity and the next moment so in an orphan type of situation because a lot of people don't know how it is when let me see what I can get from everybody else. That's why we're coming. Mm-hmm. So when we're doing these kingdom family meetings, our intention is that each person, I know who I am and whose I am, identity. The value that I have, how can I add value to the ones instead of, yes, in immaturity, we're all coming in and we need a friend. But now when you become immature sons and daughters, who can I be a friend to? Mm-hmm. Instead of how can I be blessed, who can I be a blessing to? Instead of who can add value to me, who can I add value to? And that's the fun part now, because what Scott uh, is sharing here, you have some that still are in the immature stage, that's just learning to go from orphans to sons and learning to find the place at the table. Then the second thing is not to raise up a whole new generation of mature sons of daughters. And that's what actually the, even the Greek word for what the creation is moaning and groaning for. And that's part of our reigning in life series here. Mm-hmm. How do we raise these people now that, wow, you got a place at the table, you know who you are and whose you are. But that's how can good. you grow into maturity now as a son and daughter? Right. So because if not you are a son and daughter of blessing, and you can have all the benefits coming into this house to be blessed, but how do you become a son and daughter of inheritance? Right. And if not, you have a lot of people are coming into the family table to see how you can eat what somebody else brings but the fun part now is when each one of them are coming in with their special sauce and this is probably my biggest joy including sitting here around when you guys is like when scott is here it's like to see what is taking place with me because of his life and then two minutes earlier i was before we came here i was with texting one called Aaron and hearing what's happening there and with a heroin addict. You, and then you guys are going to New Zealand. Going to New Zealand yeah. And then right afterwards, it's then awesome. I'm getting another text and say, wow, I see Scott Thompson's come to New Zealand. And that is from Bethel, New Zealand, Andy texting. So now you <laughs> just have three brothers together. Right. And you can just imagine this in 22 nations right now. Right. It's just in a matter of half an hour. But each one of them are powerful people. They are fathers and mothers that are carrying something. Aaron has something Scott 
doesn't have. Scott right. does something, Aaron. One can do a thousand, two, ten thousand. Right. Can you imagine that just in their school with 130 students going into maturity, right. if yeah. one can do a thousand, and you have 129 other accounts that you have access to in your account, <laughs> when you start to find yours, now you can add value to that because of what you're bringing to the family table. And those things excites me in regard to how I see how God is going to fulfill the Great Commission by filling this whole earth with the glory of God. Come on. Two. That's <laughs> awesome. It's, it is exciting. It's exciting to see it, you know. And uh, I mean, I know, know all of those guys, and, and it's fun to kind of start to see yeah. just even without us orchestrating it, like <laughs> things are coming together and God is, God is really orchestrating it rather than us, which is, which is exciting. One of the things I suppose I, I'd, I'd like to ask both of you is uh, many of the people that will listen to this can't make it to Eureka. Right. Yeah. Eureka's on the way to nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we know you how can't hard go there. it was for you yeah. to get here right. <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Uh, you know, many many people can't join right. one of our gatherings. You know, right. and uh, and they may not necessarily be in a in a culture that they're experiencing this from, say, leaders or that right. kind of thing. And I know something that we talked about earlier today was the importance of expectations. Mm. And when you place expectations on people, then it's often going to lead to disappointment. Right. Uh, and so I think. One of the things is to to create an expectancy for the Holy Spirit to move in this yeah, journey and in absolutely. this relationship. So, what would you say to someone that's listening? You know, how do you start to tap into? Or how do you even? How do you pray? Like, how do you even start to adjust the way that you engage with Holy Spirit, engage mm-hmm. with Jesus, engage with the Father? Yeah. Uh, what does that sort of? What what advice would you give someone if they want to start right now, as soon as they finish listening to this? All right, <laughs> that's huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't get to Eureka unless you really want to be there. <laughs> you can't. It's on the way. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. that you could stop by Eureka on the way to get there. there. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm going to yeah. be there next month. How do I get there? We can't wait to have you either. 12 hours to get yeah. out of there it's for like you an yesterday. Island. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's actually a really great question. Um, you know, in order for me to have healthy relationships with the people around me, I can't get my health from them. I have to be a healthy person mm-hmm. to have healthy relationships. Uh, you know, just like the lie that two half people come together in a marriage and create one whole person. Well, that that's a tragedy, actually. That's uh, probably a recipe for divorce, you know, because you never figured out who you truly were. Mm. Um, but it just like marriage is two healthy people coming together, two holes saying we're going to put this together and become one. Uh, you're not looking to fill this gap in your life with another person. God the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit is the only answer to you becoming whole. And it's in that relationship. It's in my relationship with Holy Spirit where the revealer of all truth, my comforter, my guide, the one who leads me, uh, the one who's with me as I sleep. I've been having crazy dreams lately where God is speaking to me audibly about things that I never thought about before. Wow. And, and it's in that relationship that I find health as a son it's in that relationship that I become whole as a person. My mind is being renewed daily, not just because I'm having the conversations with the people around me, but because I'm in relationship with God. And I think that's the place you start. How do you pray that? Pray. Start this way. Pray in a way that you know that there's never, ever a separation between you and God. I think one of the lies that has been wow. kind of inseminated through the body is, so is that um, somehow our actions either create distance or closeness to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm being good, then he is close and he is good to me. If I'm being bad, then there's distance there. And I've now put distance between me and God. And actually, there's no height or depth or power or principality or plan of man or scheme of the enemy, nothing in heaven or on earth that could ever separate me from the love of God. So there's absolutely nothing that could separate me from the love of God. The Bible says God is love. So if he is love and I can't be separated from love, then I can't be separated from him. And then you got the big one where he is omnipresent Mm. everywhere Mm. all at once. So there's actually nowhere that he is not. Mm. You can't find a place that God is not there. And so if I take all those and put it together, then the truth is I can never be separate from him in this Mm -hmm. life. And so if I pray in a way that I know that God is there no matter what, that he is a father that says, no matter what you do, I'll never run from you. If you run, I will Mm -hmm. stand here waiting with my arms open. You know, Mm -hmm. it's the the story of the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. And and that for me has revolutionized my relationship with the father, knowing that He's not going anywhere. He is here. My actions are not big enough to manipulate 
the feelings, emotions, actions, or thoughts of God toward me. Mm-hmm. His thoughts are for me and not against me. He has more thoughts for me than the sand on the shore. He knows the number of hairs on my head or the lack thereof. Like he is good, good father. He is great at what he does. He actually is the true represent- representation of being a father. Mm. And every other father mm. dims in comparison. So if I can get that truth, he is good no matter what. He's in a good mood. Mm. He loves me no matter what. He is for me no matter what. There's nothing I can do to ever cause him to run from me. Mm. And then when I commune with him, I have conversation with him, which is what prayer is. Mm. Prayer is just conversation with God. I know that he's present. I'm not inviting him to come. I know that he is for me. I'm not trying to prove that I'm worth it. Mm. You know, he, he saw that you were worth it. He said you were worth it. You actually get your worth from him. He gives it to you. And he says you're worth it. So when I start to pray in that way, I start to relate with him in that way, knowing that he's good no matter what, it calms down so much inside of me. Um, I no longer have a, a reason to strive in relationship. I can rest in him. And greatest, the greatest warfare of life comes from the position of rest, and I've learned that from being around Papa Leif. But, you know, our greatest warfare is learning to rest in him. And so if I, if I were to start right now, someone who didn't know this, I would take a deep breath in. And I would blow it all out, and I would begin to relax, and I would begin to just take in the truth that God is for me, that God is here, God is close, He's closer than my skin, there's nothing that I could do or have done that would ever push Him away, and from that place, I can learn what it is to be a son. Mm -hmm. I can learn how to relax, I can feel His hand on my back. I can start to hear his words, which are truth, that speak identity into me instead of the words of the liar who tries to take from me or say, you're, you're, you're really lacking in this area. You're missing something. You need this. If, if God really loved you, would he do that? And it's the, the lie from the beginning that mm. Leif talked about. And all those lies get very quiet when we realize who he really is. Mm. He's a good dad. Mm. He's crazy about us. He is so amazing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were not made with lack. You were made with the idea of wholeness in him. Mm. And so I get to relax as a son and have relationship from a posture of peace and rest rather than striving and trying to contend. Does, mm. that, does that make sense? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that, that, that thought of pray like there was never any separation between <laughs> you and the Father. You know, it's even, I mean, the thing that came to mind for me there was, you know, we, we often pray, come Holy Spirit. It's like, I'm already here. Yeah, where do you I go? I never <laughs> went anywhere. I've, I'm everywhere, you know, and I think it's, 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 if you use that example, it's, um, it's almost in a sense of changing your language yeah, to suit the truth, yeah. you know, so actually what, what needs to change will increase my awareness of your presence right. rather than come Holy Spirit because yeah, he's here in a hundred percent capacity. There's no 50% Holy Spirit. So, you know, it's, it's a create a greater awareness in my spirit. It's powerful awareness too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scary, yeah. powerful. Yeah. Life, you've been talking recently um, just about your best friend, the Holy Spirit, um, and, and that journey that you're constantly on in terms of pursuing intimacy with your best friend. What is, what does that look like um, for you in terms of just encouraging people to, to maintain or, or gain tra- some traction there if that's what they're seeking? I think even some of the things that Scott was talking about that I think is helpful even when people, uh, because 90% of the believers has a view of the Father that does not look like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I think a good safe place for everyone, I'm just talking about now when it comes to Jesus, is take an, and just look at the gospel. Mm-hmm. I, I think because we've fallen in love with Jesus. But every time you're looking at it, just starting to see a Father that looks like Jesus. Mm-hmm. When you touch a leopard, it's actually a Father because all Jesus did is what he saw the Father do. So what what he's seeing, a father touching a leper, (gasps) a father meeting a Samaritan woman against culture, a father that spitting somebody in the (laughs) eye. You go through the whole story of Jesus and you can understand. So even the whole question why people want to crucify him because their view of God was so opposite. But Jesus is perfect theology Mm -hmm. that our friend Bill Johnson says. So I'm just saying that that, that's just in the sense of the triune God or the the family here. Mm -hmm. So then bringing it back again to my best friend, the Holy Spirit. that is the same Jesus that when I'm looking in the gospel, he's actually here. I mean, he's more real. I know right now the three of us are sitting around this table and then Tom Rohn is sitting in the background here. But there's a fifth person in this room that is more real than all of us. Mm-hmm. And he is here. Mm-hmm. So 
realizing that, and that's we're talking about now that there's the fullness, the Christ within you. He is the hope of glory. Right, when I realize in that, yeah. he's a person. <laughs> he has a personality. He is uh, my best friend. Mm. And Jesus was actually pretty excited. I'm going to leave you guys because now I'm going to leave you. <laughs> the best version in a sense the only God that is here right now the father and the son is there but we're totally connected so when we are mm. in the spirit and we're in the spirit one and our spirit is one with him and we're coming into agreement with the sonship because it is the spirit of sonship that's why trying to figure out the father son paradigm without the Holy Spirit mm. that is just please don't do it that's pretty much all I can say it's like, well, that's why I'm saying that so that is the, that's why it's the beautiful part of that is it is the Holy Spirit the Christ yeah. within you and he's very sensitive so learn the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit he's a person it's in a relationship with a person and just knowing that when he is here and learning the awareness Benny Hinn wrote an amazing book, say, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. But it's just that kind of thing. So just learning that in the car, when I just start to turn my affection towards right. him, mm -hmm. I'm not alone in this car. Yeah. I'm driving to yeah. Nashville on Friday, right. four and a half hours. It's actually two people there right. and the relationship I have. And it's the best person I've ever met. Right. He's the closest person. Mm. It's the most beautiful face I've ever seen. All of those things get by the one you are together with. But let me just give one, this is hard without crying, but one more <laughs> lesson that really shaped some of this new journey in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We were doing the Kingdom Family Gathering where, as you know, with the Todd White and David Wagner and all these people were coming. But then I started to sense a little bit of this pressure and I realized what it was. To realize as a, as a spiritual father of what was going to happen there, it started to sound like a conference. And you, of course, part of that, Scotty, so you saw, it was almost like, I feel this pressure financially, a number, all these different, I mean, it's like, where did this mm -hmm. come from? And in a moment, the Holy Spirit just showed me, it's like I was sitting at my dinner table at home. And we have a beautiful dinner table. Mm -hmm. And then the Holy Spirit is supposed to be the honorary guest. Hmm. It's his table. I mean, he is the one that I've invited over to my right. home. But I have all these people that are coming to sit at the table with him. And then one person said, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. He is there. And, oh, can you sign my book? Could you? And I could see it was kind of a grieving the Holy Spirit. So that was my vision. And it hit me to the core because even there at the family table with my friends coming around the Holy Spirit, mm. I realized so many of the value for the gift he was going to give them instead of just being there together with him. And it was almost the Holy Spirit says, Life, I know that I'm your best friend, but sometimes when you're going to gather people around me and everything else and, and you just invite everybody what they're going to get from me. It's just a little bit painful. Yeah. And it just it did something in my spirit just how do I host him and how do we host him well? And he loves to sign books if he used to. It's not that he doesn't want to give people good gifts and there's a lot of fruits of being together with him, but that's not the why. It's just learning the relationship for relationship, not because of what I'm going to get from him. And I really had an incredible impact to me. So I think even if you're <laughs> learning to be more aware of, aware of the Holy Spirit as a friend, as a person, as somebody that is living in us, but it's also is upon us and realizing that no matter what situation you're at, it is you are never alone. Yeah. It is actually and you're so connected that moment. I connected with right. the father and son. I'm totally one with heaven. Eternity is here and now yeah. Now that connection when you're realizing that and a whole cosmic this whole universe, the kingdom, all of those things, the kingdom is in the spirit. And now, wow, you start to dream. Now you mm. see things differently. Right. And it's just that awareness of that one, yeah. one beautiful Holy Spirit so who is my best friend. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's awesome. It's beautiful. It's like opening your eyes to see what was always there. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, <laughs> Wow, well, I know we could we could talk for hours. Yeah. We could uh, we could, and we are going to this weekend, yeah. uh, just in different contexts. So, uh, but uh, Scott, I might just uh, I think it'd be great to take the moment just to, I suppose, just to really encourage and to bless um, the people that are listening uh, with with just whatever's on your heart, just to release it as they they delve further into this intimate relationship with right. with the truth and with with God that mm. that they would just really. Right. experience the fullness of whatever they're, they're experiencing going <laughs> oh, yeah. after. Come on. Yeah, mm. um, yeah I mean, uh, let's, just all, uh, let's just all close our eyes because mm. that's, a, that's a good place mm. to start. And just uh, mm. let's just put him on the stage of our life right now, just on the, in the forefront of our thoughts. And I just want you to picture God, and I, I want you to look at him, not picture him as if he's somewhere else, but I want you to just lock eyes with God. And I want you to hear him speaking over you right now. Like I, I think the most powerful place we can ever be in life 
is the place where everything else starts to fade away and we just hear and see what the Father is saying and doing in our lives. You know, it's what Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. And, and Lord, I just ask right now that you would, uh, like Leif says, plant the seed of sonship in each one of our listeners right now, God, mm. uh, that each one of you are a son mm-hmm. or a daughter of a loving, loving Father. He is not looking at your flaws or your shortcomings. He is looking at you and he says, my son, my daughter. And he, and he just says he loves you. Uh, from the day I got saved as a drug dealer punk till now, the one thing that the Father says to me daily is, <laughs> I love you, son. Even when I would try to prove to him that I wasn't worth loving, he'd say, I love you, son. He'd never change the subject even when I tried to change it. And I want you to know right now at home that God is not changing the subject. He loves you like crazy. He is for you and not against you. He is raising you up to fully walk in everything that has been given to you already. He is with you. He is going nowhere. There's not a separation between you and him. When you get busy with the kids or when you get busy running errands or when you're in your work day and you feel like things are against you, stop right there and know that God is for you and God is with you. And if as sons and daughters, we can realize that there is never a moment in life where the Mm. father says, okay, you're going to have to go through this one alone, that every moment in life, he walks with us hand in hand. As we mature, he walks with us and watches us as we conquer the things that we thought would conquer us. But the father is with us constantly. There are not trials in life where he says, see if you can survive this one without Mm. me. He is for us. He is with us. He is closer than your skin. He is in you and on you and around you. He goes before you and prepares the way. And so I just want you to get that truth as a son or a daughter, that you sit in him. He is in you, that there is no separation. He is for you. And and from that place of life, anything is possible. Power is easy. Supernatural power comes easy. Healing flows from that place of life. Revelation flows from that place of life. Prophetic eyes are easy to see through when you're gazing into the eyes of the Father. When you lock eyes with Him, you start to see the whole world and all of creation through His eyes. And that is the most powerful place we can be as a son or daughter, just fully yielded to who He is and in that relationship. Hmm. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Amen to that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for for just being with us. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I love being around you guys. Could you sense that uh, the fifth person here in this room is more real than any of us? (laughs) I was getting visions. I was was in a whole other other world. It was amazing. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks so much for joining us, uh, those of you listening. And we're just excited to do family with you. We're excited that you have a heart to connect with this this thing that we're all exploring together and, (laughs) and figuring out. And uh, if you want to connect with us more, if you want to come to one of our gatherings, connect with resources, uh, we've got some exciting things that we're going to be announcing in the next couple of weeks. Jump onto our website, globalmissionawareness.com. I encourage you to sign up to our newsletter there, and, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be releasing lots of exciting things that you guys can connect with as family this year. But uh, we love you, we bless you, and uh, we look forward to being with you next time. Yeah.